Good noon, Church of the Advent. It's a, it's a delight to be here. I want to uh, bring you the greetings of your uh, fellow Episcopalians in the Diocese of Dallas and also uh, to thank uh, the Bishop and Dean and the Cathedral of the Advent for the kind invitation. I have to admit that I am preaching also tomorrow and today is more question and tomorrow is more answer, so I reckon you have to come back any way you look at it to get the whole deal. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My passage is from the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will, not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. The word of the Lord. In today's sermon and tomorrow's, I have a simple question. Where does all this anger come from? As with most preaching, I hope to render this question more mysterious than it first seems and then move around to listen to the Word of God for an answer. Whence is it all this anger? We get hurt, feel wronged, and we react. Fair enough. But how do you and I explain the depth, the extent, so many occasions when our response or someone else's, not least on Interstate 75 where I live, is so disproportionate to the stimulus? Let's begin with a couple of canaries in contemporary mine shafts. You all know what the first obvious one is. As a bishop in the American church, I live, as you can imagine, with a life rule of showing as much care as I can muster in any comment about American politics. But at the very least, whether you are Democrat or Republican or whatever else, who can deny that our election was an explosion of anger, rural and desperate, anti-globalized, now anti-Trump, but all of it surprising nonetheless. 
In the world's strongest economy, in one of the most secure nations in the world, what exactly is all of that anger really about? Canary number two. A few weeks ago, I visited a church plant in a high school gym in a suburb north of Dallas. On the door was a poster for a lecture to be held where a psychologist was planned to speak with the parents. Poster read like this. Our children in McKinney are from some of the most wealthy families from parents who care for the most part deeply about them. They all have personal and educational resources as many as you can imagine. They are in short some of the most privileged in the world. Our children also have epidemic levels of depression, addiction, low self-esteem and body issues. Come join a conversation about why this is and what can be done. Why indeed? Now if you assume, as those same psychologists tell us, that depression is an internalized form of anger, then we can see that poster posing the same profound question. Why does this reaction so exceed what the circumstances can explain. Those children in McKinney, Texas, they are really canaries since they seem to display symptoms on behalf of our culture as a whole. What is all this anger about? It would not be hard to list the possible, maybe the most expected answers, explanations. Let me give you seven ready candidates. Each has some truth to it, although I do not consider them on their own satisfying. Together they read like a panorama of explana attempted explanations of the human predicament. First, at its core, anger might be a reaction to the oppressive way that society with its repression exerts a guilty effect on us. Sigmund Freud would have offered that answer. No less a theologian than Bishop Fitz uh, Allison, who I think is your preacher later in Lent, uh, has borrowed that answer in his book entitled Guilt, Anger, and God, also available in your bookstore. Or we might turn to a biologist. Animals need aggression to survive. And just as fire produces heat, so aggression releases anger. Watch one afternoon of the NFL and the matter is plain. Or maybe in a more contemporary take, we could attribute all of this to some enzyme released because of the way we are wired, especially when we work overtime. Well, we are animals and we as creatures do secrete enzymes, but why this maladaptive surfeit of anger? The answer restates the question. Let's add to our list, maybe in a more Marxist vein, poverty and abuse leave their mark. But how does that explain early teenagers of privilege in a Dallas suburb? Maybe all those existentialists you read in college, 
We are dealing with the submerged fear of death in all human beings, the no exit place we have been placed in, so that it is no surprise that the poet says we must rage, rage against the dying of the light. A version of all of these answers is found in a more recent one, uh, which is that perhaps we are seeing the bloody roots of all civilization, some sacrifice in a primordial scene, much like the book of Genesis at the dawn of civilization, some repressed memory. These answers all have their place. Each comes down to being a part of what the human experience is. But all of us leave us, all the answers together leave us with a sense of dissatisfaction. I am reminded of a philosopher in the time of Jesus, a Roman philosopher named Lucretius. He was an atheist. He had a hard time explaining how messed up human life was. And he said to himself, maybe at the beginning there was one atom that swerved. And it hit another one, and pretty soon the swerve was all over the place until the swerve had worked itself through the entire system. Well, that's what we're looking at. Somehow, anger has worked its way through the whole system, although how that first swerve started remains a question. Reasons do not take us to the font of our discontent. But today's story from Genesis 4 does. Immediately on the heels of the fall come the birth of Cain and Abel and then the first murder. Sin moves to its most dire and direct consequence immediately. The fault works itself out in one human immediately pitted mortally against another. But it is not just some enemy. It is his closest and most intimate fellow. Anger lodged most closely where love and relation are found. The passage gives us rationalizations ready at hand. Maybe the farmer and the rancher cannot be friends. Maybe one sacrifice is kosher and the other isn't. But we realize also that these explanations do not get us closer to the mystery. The murder in its stark reality is meant to present us with an affront. Cain wants his brother gone. He refuses him so pointlessly, utterly, and ruthlessly that we as listeners are struck dumb. The heart of human relation, at the hearth and home, there too is found anger so deep that Cain would have it that his brother not be. A kind of anti-creation. Explanations do not help to, to better understand where Genesis 4 has taken us. In the same way, all of the reasons I presented, they're found in our own lives too. Anger akin to the reactions and aggressions that we may suppose is just part of animal life. And each of us has our own wrongs of family or background, something that deserves retribution, some straitjacket of repression or albatross of guilt. They all lie close at hand. 
but none of them explains the surprise and extent of the reaction. The reason's real, the roots lying deeper. Alistair McFadden is a policeman and a British detective. He became an Anglican priest and is now a theologian. Good on-the-job training, I reckon. He wrote a book called Bound to Sin, which I recommend. Its central claim is simple. Whether you believe it or not, you should be able to see that there are phenomena of the world which the terms and conditions of secular life are not sufficient to explain. That ought to be true for atheist and believer alike. He offers three, mass murder, abuse, and addiction. They surpass the explanatory scope of ordinary ideas. We have to reach for something else. And the traditional Christian is the one, McFadden says, who has the more potent terminology. Dire sin as apologetic. I believe that anger is something similar. It requires a deeper and different explanation. Anger is not sin, but like anxiety, it is its occasion crouching at the door. What if it turns out that anger is actually an echo of the fall? Like those scientists who study the Big Bang. What if the depth and force of our anger is a kind of residuum of our original and shared distress? A sense that we are marred. We are not as we ought to be. We are cut off from home. Descendants of some great perpetration. We with our own moment in which we would be anti-creators. We who are lonesome for kin long gone. As with the Big Bang, it echoes out through the cosmos of our lives the aftermath of some great no which we do not any longer hear directly. We human beings, we are mysteries to ourselves, not least in this primal substratum of our discontent. The prophet says that our hearts are past knowing. Many things are strange and fierce, says the tragic poet, but none stranger or more fierce than Anthropos, the human. Even in our distress, the eruption of anger in us, we are unknowable to ourselves and are reminded that we need to be shown who we are by God. And if this is true, then we have, at the conclusion of our first foray, realized that we have started things the wrong way around. And that's worth knowing in and of itself. Here, as everywhere, you and I only understand ourselves as, first of all, we hear who God is, and more specifically, who God is for us, God known to be with us and toward us in Jesus Christ, so that we then come to know ourselves as a result of that first knowledge. Anger is an outworking and a sign of our disorder. But it retains, even anger, like everything that is deep in us, a tainted trace 
of the one who created us and his intention for us. And so you and I need to start this search a second time from the right place, which is to begin by looking at Jesus Christ and more particularly Jesus Christ and his own anger. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this season. We give thanks for the gift of the spirit of penitence. We give thanks for the gift of self-knowledge. We pray that you would teach us to see ourselves in our deepest roots, ourselves in our anger. And we pray that you would show us this as a reflection of the revelation of your Son, who shares our condition, but without sin, and who has come to redeem it. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.